Welcome, one and all, to Board Game Thing, the weekly board games podcast about board games, but also the conversations uh, around those games. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes just arguing. Uh, Andy Bush here. I'm joined by uh, Bad Boy Bry and Louise Lomo Maloney. Guys, how are you doing? Everyone all right this week? Oi, 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 oi. I'm in COVID lockdown. Bad Boy Bry. I am deeply uncomfortable with that bush. No, so that's my nickname, Bad Boy Bry, because I'm me, Bry and I'm also a bad boy. Bad boy. Mean Streets of uh, Lincoln, Mean Streets of Lincoln. But just a little nugget of information there, and that's just to bring our, our, our dear listeners up to speed with what's going on at the moment. Brian, currently um, in COVID isolation, I, I know it's because we're recording this, of course, uh, for safety on, on video chat. You got up to close the door then just as we started, and you're wearing what appears to be just a full set of pyjamas. Given up, mate. I'm just given up. There's no point even wearing clothes anymore. Uh, how did you find it, Louise? What, what was your uh, take on the whole kind of clothing thing during the peak lockdown? Well, I gave up bras completely. Just stopped wearing bra. I was like free and easy. Yeah, me too. For... I didn't wear a bra during lockdown. <laughs> Brian was braless most of it, yeah. And then I realised when I put on a bra, like how much it makes you feel like a proper human being. Uh, like you can actually go and do stuff. When you've no bra on, you, you just, you very easily lie down and do nothing. It's like the two go hand in hand. Uh, if you're listening, we could do a good lingerie uh, podcast, couldn't we? That'd be quite a good thing. I mean, it's so weird talking about the lingerie side of things, but I don't, I don't know if Brian gets with this, but I remember when I was like uh, eight or nine years old, if I used to go to like a department store with my mum, and you took a wrong turn and you got trapped in the ladies' uh, lingerie section. You'd be ter- absolutely terrified. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Everyone's going to think I'm a pervert. Or, like, a bit of it will fall down on top of you. You'd be trapped there for the rest of your life. Did you just get a panic attack in the uh, lingerie section? No, I felt, I felt at home and, and very much at ease in the uh, lingerie section, Andy, because I'm, I'm in touch with my femininity. I do feel bad, though. Uh, again, we will get onto board games. I always feel like I'm saying this every, every time we start this podcast. Is but- there a lingerie board game? There should be a lingerie, but there is one game about the fashion industry that its name has escaped me now, which is supposed to be quite kind of quite good. But I wish there was more fancy underwear for gents. All we've got is like smart pair of pants, but there's no there's no lace, there's no wire, there's none of the good stuff. Oh, that I'd you guys like a pair got. of long johns. Long johns, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Bushes board game thing. Uh, so this is a Kickstarter special episode. Um, Kickstarter, it's an unusual thing, isn't it? It's been a real revolution for uh, Kickstarter over the past few years, or probably a little bit longer. Basically, if you know what Kickstarter is, you come up with an amazing idea, and if you get enough people to pledge their support and pre-order it, uh, you hit that target and the game gets made. But I mean, if you go on to Kickstarter, it's not just games. There's loads and loads of uh, different stuff on there at the moment. So um, I just had a little look before we got, got going. We're going to be speaking to James Hewitt, a friend of the podcast, actually, from Needy Cat Games, who's uh, kickstarting a, a brand new board game, which we're going to hear about in a little bit. But if you look on Kickstarter right now, there's some great stuff on there in the world of board games, that games that are yet to be made. So there's a, a game called Ankano, the board game about anger awareness. Uh, Trivia Obscura, the board game that allows you to bask in your own self-darkness. Brian would like that. Uh, Neon I'd love that Sanctum. Game. Can you get me a copy of that? Okay, well, you, you have to pledge. Pledge your support and it might get made. Neon Sanctum, role-playing with cards in a cyberpunk world, and finally Flatland, the game of many dimensions. But um, don't you think it's quite a cool thing that you can come up with an idea and then a game might be made? Isn't that a good thing? I think it's bloody brilliant because if you look at 
History, guys, if you look at history, right, at history. but you think of all the near misses of people that were turned away from making games. I think the Monopoly uh, guy got turned down something like 15 times. Yeah. And you think of all those games that are probably sitting in the dark recesses of people's minds that will never see the light of day. And now, with Kickstarter, you can get stuff made. I think it's brilliant. It's interesting to have a little peer into the creative process as well, because what's good about a game that gets kickstarted or, or crowdfunded is that um, they'll give you updates on how it's going and, and where the kind of pledge level is. You get that kind of that vibe of what it used to be like watching a Blue Peter a fundraiser. Do you remember you used to have the totalizer to see how far they got to their their target? That's what it's like being part of a, um, a Kickstarter project, and that's the actual sound effect. Sound effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone wants to hang on, just stop, stop, stop talking, because what I'll do is. Ding! You can all have that free, free of charge, rights free. I cede all rights to that sound effect, and you can use it for your Kickstarter fund. That's my that's my pledge to you guys. Right, heading towards speaking to James Hewitt from Needy Cat Games about his brilliant new game that he's kickstarting. Let's do Brian's board game fact of the week. Brian's board game fact of the week. Right, board game fact. It's not. It's a hard one to have facts about, isn't it? Kickstarter, isn't it? So what I've done is, and these are technically these are facts because these. Is this, is this a disclaimer before we get going? Or no, it's not a disclaimer. I just it feel like, like I've a had a good run. Sort. I've had a good run for you know about two or three weeks. I feel like I'm due a, a bit of a stinker. Good point. Um, my Vikings one last week was pretty good. So this week, what I decided to do was have a look at um, the weirdest Kickstarter campaigns that have ever been that were successful. Ooh. There we go. It's not bad, is it? That's a good so, idea. Number one, the ostrich. Do you remember the ostrich pillow? No. No. If you imagine uh, a pillow, you can put your head in, right? <gasps> and then you lie imagine down. You put it over your head, and then you and you put your yes. hands in the side, and you lie down, and it's for people to nap at work. Is that on Kickstarter? Was that a Kickstarter? thing? Yeah, they raised. Well, it was a Kickstarter sort of Kickstarter thing. They raised one hundred and forty thousand. Uh, pounds. So wow. imagine I go into. Let, let me let me let me do this right. Um, you're uh, the big big pillow ink, right? And I come in yeah. and I go, "Hi guys, got a got a great idea for a pillow." You ask me, go on, ask me what, what it is. What uh, what kind of thing? Well, obviously, pillows pillows are pillows, Brian. What kind of thing have you got in mind? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. The pillows haven't changed since the pillows were invented back in the early, you know, early 1900s. What yeah. what I've got is a revolutionary new way of sleeping. It's like um. I can't really describe it. A hollow pillow you put your head in and then you put your hands in the side and you use it to lay on a desk. What would you say to me? I said, it's madness. No one's going to be going for this. Exactly. This, this. Is the be- this is the beauty of Kickstarter. Um, another one was um, a potato salad. <laughs> what? Some you can't, you can't <laughs> kickstart a salad. A salad can't be on Kickstarter. <laughs> salad. This guy, he wanted he wanted <laughs> to raise just £10 to, to make a potato salad because he was skint. And he went on to raise £40,000. That is a massive salad. I was going to say. Salad, which actually reminds salad. me of our Kickstarter idea, Andy, from years ago. Do you remember Big Salad? Big Salad. Bringing salad to the masses. Have you heard about this, Louise? I weirdly, um, I re- I weirdly want to give that salad dude some money. Like, of all the Kickstarters I've heard, I'm like, potato salad, yeah, I'm getting in on that. That's fine. Yeah, but the thing is, though, Louise, um, he just made the salad for himself. It's not like it was one big salad that everyone had, which is actually mine and Andy's idea that we had. Go on, Andy, tell us. Our Kickstarter idea, which sadly we never got to the stage that, say, James is at with with his board game and everything, actually properly on Kickstarter. But uh, we, we had this idea where if everyone subscribes five or six pounds a month to a salad... Think about the spending power that you could buy one big salad for everyone to share. And one last Kickstarter was an inflatable line of Richie Head. They raised £8,000. 
For what? Sorry, run that by me one more time. A Lionel Richie head. inflatable Lionel Richie head. Somebody just wanted to make uh, a inf- massive, giant, inflatable Lionel Richie head. And then everyone was like, yeah, let's just do this. And so they managed to raise £8,000 and they built this massive, inflatable Lionel Richie head. I don't know what they did with it. There you go. Okay, um, and there you go. In talking of amazing ideas and, and things becoming reality, got to give a special uh, honorary mention to a Kickstarter game by one of our board game thing listeners, whose name I th- is Kirai. He, I, I, can't, I don't want to apologies if I've totally butchered your name there, my friend. But he sent us in a copy of his his game that's just come off Kickstarter and has now been made, and it's in uh, the hands of the backers. And I think you can buy it in retail as well. It's called Mythelix which is a very cool um, kind of little battling game about um, Greek mythology. Uh, and you can they've got brilliant little uh, see-through kind of plastic figures that you put onto this board, which is uh, it changes every time. You can fire fireballs at each other and fight uh, winged dragons and uh, uh, loads of different That's beasts. That's the great and- thing. That's the great thing about Greek mythology. Completely out of copyright. You can do the classics. You can do Zeus, yeah. Apollo, Hermes. No one can touch you for it because it's out of copyright because it's ancient. And look at that artwork. It's absolutely stunning. I really, um, I'm kind of crushing on that guy on the front. Got muscles a little bit myself, it's like myself good. and Brian, isn't he, that guy? Um, <laughs> yeah. One, one other thing as well, uh, which is good. Uh, if you've been on holiday to Greece uh, and you would see the plates with all the mucky stuff going on, you might have asked your parents, what, what, what are they doing to each other? And, you know, it's like a... It's like a bird and the bees type conversation. They're wrestling, guys. They're wrestling. That's all they're wrestling. Doing. At least with with uh, Mythelix here, it's uh, it's putting it back onto a, a family setting where they're just beating each other up and, and frying lasers at each other. So that's a good thing. Check it out. That's Mythelix. Uh, it's an honour to welcome back to Board Game Thing a friend of the podcast, uh, a, a game designing legend, man behind the Devil May Cry game, Hellboy as well. Uh, it's the brilliant James Hewitt. Hello. Thanks for having me back. It's brilliant. We we we're talking to you now from your actual office. Last time we chatted to you was uh, deepest darkest lockdown. You're you're in a more uh, official capacity right now, James. It seems absolutely 100. percent I've got um you know I've got more space here. Working from home as a board game designer is difficult because a lot of designing board games is getting bits out and prototyping and cutting things out. I never thought I'd use quite so much Pritt stick in my my, my job, but I do. And uh, like I've got a dedicated prototyping table here. At home, it was like squeeze onto the dining room table where our daughter was homeschooling as well. It was just a whole mess. Crazy. So this is better. I'm much happier now. And, and then we, when we spoke to you last time, obviously um, your company, Needy, Needy Cat Games, you, you kind of alluded to, you hinted at a game that you had in the pipeline. And, and this is why we wanted to, to get you back on the podcast because the game that you kind of hinted at is heading towards Kickstarter. Uh, you've, the game is now advanced and, and, and is it on Kickstarter now? Tell us a little bit about uh, Steel Coliseum then, your, your, your robot uh, fighting game. So there's, there's a whole story about this. Um, so this, this is a game that we, we originally took it to Kickstarter Last year, I want to say 2020. That yeah, that, that's it last blends, year. Still, isn't it all blows it? into one. Who it? knows? Time means nothing. But yeah, um, so we, for those that don't know, Needycat Games, we design games generally for clients. People come to us and say we want a game based on whatever, and then we work with them to make that happen. So as you say, Devil May Cry, Hellboy, these are all kind of licensed properties. But we really wanted to do something that was just ours and just done by us. Um, and so last, well, over 2019, we worked on a game called Robot Fight Club, which was about um, making like custom robots out of scrap and making them fight. It's a little bit Robot Wars, a little bit sci-fi, you know. And we took it to Kickstarter um, in March 2020, which which was a great, great time to be putting things <laughs> out on Kickstarter. Um, about five days in, lockdown started, and it all just... 
it just sort of crumbled. We, we felt a bit ghoulish, like asking people to, to spend money when people weren't able to get toilet paper, you know, it all just felt a bit strange. Um, and also we hadn't, because um, we're a tiny company, we didn't really have a massive budget. We didn't have a huge budget for like um, artwork or graphic design or that. So we, we scraped together some funds and we got, you know, what we could done, but it never looked as good as it could. And, I think that affected it to a degree. So we kind of, when lockdown happened, we had plenty on our plates. You know, when I last spoke to you, I would probably was overwhelmed with work as I was for most of last year. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of put it on the back burner and I thought, oh, we're going to carry on tinkering with it and we will come back to this at some point. Um, and then we were very lucky to be approached by a publishing partner who said, hey, have you got any games that you'd like to publish? And we, we said, actually, yes. Um, and they they kind of rode in with an art budget and, you know, the ability to make it look really cool. Um, we reworked the game. Like Originally, it was a two-player game. Now it's a two-to-four-player game. Um, and it just looks amazing. It's coming to Kickstarter 2022. Uh, I don't know exact dates yet, but that's that's kind of it. So, I mean, the interesting thing, uh, just coming back to the Kickstarter side of things, is that you can have a Kickstarter failure. I mean, I mean, in a bad way, but you can, you can, it can, uh, you can have a, a project that doesn't hasn't funded, but then come back stronger and learn from it. I guess it's not, it's not like a one shot thing. I think this is this is the really good thing with Kickstarter because um, so I was working in the games industry when Kickstarter first kind of started becoming a thing uh, in the industry. So I was working at Mantic Games and they did a game called Dreadball, which made, I think, three quarters of a million. It was like their their first big Kickstarter success. And there hadn't been many board games on Kickstarter up to that point that had been particularly successful. And suddenly you felt the whole industry change it was like that scene in jurassic park where all the all the dinosaurs flock suddenly they change direction because the t-rex is turning up um and it felt like that everyone suddenly was like oh hang on this is an option and what you what you noticed was that companies were free to make riskier products and then put them out there and failure failure still hurts because you know you still put time and money and effort in you know Doing a Kickstarter, especially these days, isn't free. You've got to put so much into it. You've got to have so this product's going to be ninety percent ready. But it's not like you've made a whole product run, spent tens of thousands of pounds on filling a warehouse with boxes that then don't sell. And I think we wouldn't have the board games industry we have now, the board game scene, without Kickstarter. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, James, because I did a bit of a deep dive on Kickstarter in general last night, and I was looking at the most successful ones. You're probably aware of these, James. The most successful uh, Kickstarter is Pebble Time Smartwatch, which raised 20 million, which is insane. The second one is The Coolest Cooler, which is basically a cooler for your drinks, but also has a blender and stuff in it. Um, That got up to 13 million. But the third most successful uh, Kickstarter campaign was for a board game, uh, and it was for the Kingdom Death Monster, raising 12.4 million. It had 20,000 backers in the end. So uh, that must must make you feel so positive about putting a board game on Kickstarter, right? Definitely. I mean, so Kingdom Death was one of the early successes. I think it was one of the ones that happened just before Dreadball, which I worked on. Um, and it's a really interesting story because the, the guy who made it, and I forget his name, uh, but he, he had been sculpting models, like miniatures for gaming on uh, online, or sculpting them himself and then putting them on online in forums and things and selling them. And uh, he put, it this, put this game on Kickstarter based on his models and he spent a lot of time making it. But 
it made so so much money, went so far out of his expectations that the cost of making it, like f- fulfilling that many copies, I think I, I read an interview with him where he said like he'd have been better off just staying in his job and carrying on doing it and posting things on forums because a Kickstarter can make twelve million, but if it costs eleven point eight million. Uh, the amount of work you have to put into fulfilling that is massive. And so there are definitely like danger zones. And we've seen a lot of companies um, and, and creators, especially smaller creators who have gone onto Kickstarter, not really thought it out much, and have then hit the point where they go, oh, hang on, now I need, now I need to send 5,000 people a copy of this game. How do I do that? Um, and it can, be, it, can be, it can be scary. But I think that balances off really nicely with the fact that it frees you up to create stuff, you know, as a creator, you don't have to go to a bank manager and say, "Look, so board games, right?" <laughs> you know, which was always a thing. I think which is a stumbling block because how do you explain it to people who don't get it, um, who hold the purse strings? So, I mean, the, the other thing I find fascinating with with Kickstarter, and one of the best things about looking through it is, that, you know, you've got all these amazing projects ongoing that you could back, and and the way that you're drawn towards backing them is looking at all the different tiers that you unlock as you get more funding and more people join the pledge and stuff like that. Uh, will that be the thing for Steel Coliseum? People uh, will have different tiers. You, you, you have more ambitious stuff as you get more people on board when it goes when it goes live? I think so. So, I mean, with, with Steel Coliseum, we're still sort of figuring out um, exactly what the Kickstarter will look like. But I think one of the joys of Kickstarter is, is like, like you say, it, it does. It feels like a game almost, you know, in itself because you you unlock things, you get more money coming in, the stretch goals come in. So we've we've got some stretch goals planned out. So we've got our for for anyone who hasn't tried Kickstarter, we've got like the level where the game will fund uh, if we make a certain amount of money, and if we go beyond that, then we'll unlock more things and add those in. So we've got things like additional characters, you know, new robots. Uh, new things uh, that you can add into the game to make it more replayable, more interesting. Um, so, yeah, we would we want to do that. The, the tricky part is always not knowing where to pitch it because it could fund in one day. It could fund in 30 days. We don't know exactly yeah. how long we're going to run it for. Um, there are so many questions up in the air, especially when this is going to be... You know, we're not coming in with a big license. We're not massively well-established people. Some people know who we are, but it's not like we're, you know, uh, Marvel or, you know, one of the big board game companies. So we're like a little indie operation. We don't know how well this will do. We hope it will do really well because we think this is a really solid game. Uh, we've been playtesting it for like two years now. Um, and uh, I think, Andy, I'm going to come and play some games with you, and you can you can try it out at some point soon. I cannot wait. Um, it's going to be fantastic. I'm a massive, it's gonna be massive fantastic. Robot Wars fan. I, I, genuinely, from my, from growing up, having your tea when you got in from school, watching Robot Wars is one of the real treats in life. And I don't think anyone's ever properly captured that in game board game form so far. So far. That's why I'm so excited about Steel Coliseum. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So, I mean, that was that was my that was my my sort of childhood into teenage years was that as well. Completely like Robot Wars was the thing. It was you talk about it at school. You know, I always wanted to be. On, I had a friend who I met later who had been on Robot Wars, and I still hold him in like quite high esteem. <laughs> I met his robot, and I was I was very excited for that. And so yeah, so this right. was kind of trying to recapture that to a degree. And yeah, I think the whole thing of like. Building a robot, because the whole point of the game is you customise your robots, and cool. then you go and play like a little two-on-two team battle, and you play to the best of three uh, bouts, uh, and you get to re-customise your robot between. And it does feel like that kind of Robot Wars um, plot arc, in that you have the first battle where you might get utterly trounced, and then you go back to your little hangar bay, and you you f- stick some armour back on your robot, you change the weapons out, 
and you know Philippa Forrester comes around and interviews you or something, and then you go back out there, and that's you know that that's what this game is, and I think it it captures that excitement, that that tension, but also it's quick, you know, it's a quick game, and I really like that. I like quick games. Is is there any way to have um, your dad involved in it? Because that was the big thing about Robot Wars. It was always their dad. It was always there, <laughs> the dad. It? He's kind of elbowing the child out of the way. Going, yeah. let me do it. We're losing. My, my project. My project. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so James, uh, this is this will be coming to Kickstarter soon. We'll, we'll obviously keep you posted on board game thing. Uh, any advice then for anyone if they have a, a, an idea for a great board game like you have? Uh, is is Kickstarter the best way forwards? If you, you know if you haven't got the mac- the backing of like a huge budget from a, a publishing company just yet or anything. Yeah, big big question. I think the the main thing to say is if you've got a great idea for a board game, make it. Don't don't worry about getting it published until you're happy with the game itself because making a game and selling a game are two very different things. And yeah. I actually say to a lot of people, I mean, the, the market is so crowded right now, but there is a real um, joy in just creating a game for the sake of creating a game. And there are loads of like design competitions and uh, places you can take your game to to show it off to people. And what I always... Because I, I get a lot of people saying to me, I've got an idea for a game, what do I do? What I say a lot of the time is pick a thing that's like six months to a year down the line and say, I want to have a game ready for that. Uh, Because having a deadline, as I said earlier, a bit of pressure helps you be creative. And just make it. And don't worry about how you're going to publish it or whatever else until you've done it. Once you've got a game that you're really happy with, then Kickstarter can work. But also there are loads of like publishing houses that will take all the logistical work off you. I've seen quite a lot of people who want to become game designers and then they end up becoming logistics managers because they have to (laughs) deal with freight and shipping and import tax and all sorts of things. And the thought of that just turns me cold <laughs> isn't it and there must be a game in uh, a game about the the kickstarter or the board game creating industry i, I know there's the, I, I played that um millennium blades recently which was a, a board game like a meta thing about uh collectible card battles and so on yeah is there is there must be a board game in this whole process because you said it's like a game i've itself, seen at least yeah I've, I've i've seen one which is like kickstarter the card game but i that was quite a while ago. It was quite bitter. I think it was done after the, the designer had had quite a bit of a bad time on Kickstarter, and it's very like <laughs> cynical. Um, so, but no, I think there's definitely. I'm waiting for like the game about making a game about game. making games. That that that's the one to make next. Slight like Inception of yeah, board exactly. games. Board game yeah, Inception. Just keep going. Brilliant. Well, listen, uh, keep an eye out for Steel Coliseum. It's going to be fantastic. And as ever, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast, uh, James Hewitt. Thank you so much. Thank you. Brilliant as ever to speak to James Hewitt. Like I say, keep an eye out for Steel Coliseum. We'll keep you posted right here on Board Game Thing. And if you've got a good idea for a game, tell us about it at uh, Board Game Thing and we'll we'll give you an honest appraisal. Uh, But obviously, this whole episode has been about Kickstarter, coming up with a brilliant idea, like James has there, taking it to market. Have you guys got any any Kickstarter ideas? I mean, I'm going to throw mine into the ring to start off with, right? I would like to do a Kickstarter campaign for um, an oven, which which only does one temperature. It's just 200 degrees, 200 degree oven. When do you need an oven with all the other stuff? When do Bush, you use? When are you doing 200? I always do 180. No, 200 and then that's it. You're I don't mad. I don't I never you're, put it on any other side. You know saying. what? You're you're right, you're right. However, the one thing that will set you back is the fact that you need you do need to have it slightly lower if you're making a casserole or a stew. You need to have it low for longer time. Leave the door time. slightly open. <laughs> it, it's got one setting. Uh, it's a special oven That's that, that takes. Not a bad just idea. Leave the door open a little bit. It's Andy Bush's uh, one-track oven. That's what it's called. 
So that's my that's my Kickstarter idea. Uh, Lu- oh, Louise, what Louise, you got? What you got? So the disclaimer is I need to speak to some medical scientists, obviously, before I sort of Uh-oh. get this. Yeah, that, that is a huge <laughs> disclaimer. That's a started. huge, huge disclaimer. But mine is, Bush, I had you in mind. Uh, mine is uh, right. um, aimed at new parents. And it's a pill right. that you take that immediately makes you feel like you've had... It's called ecstasy. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's no calm down. Uh, it's a pill that immediately makes you feel like you've had eight hours sleep. Oh my, can you imagine that? Yeah, you can just take amphetamine. That's amphetamines. You just invented, You've invented amphetamines. amphetamines. Do you know what? My friend Dan's dad, when we were at school, had an idea, which he, he never got to... He, if, if Kickstarter was around when we were at school, he would have put it on Kickstarter. He had this idea for these oxygen tanks mm. that were by the roadside or at service stations <laughs> so that if you were tired when driving, you could do like, uh, what's his name? Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet and go... <laughs> so good. And suck up a load of pure oxygen so and make yourself waking up again. Uh, so good. And he never did anything with it. It's a great idea. So, um, yeah, me- obviously medical, check that one out. Brian, a Kickstarter idea to, to wrap things up for this week? Um, you know that that Kickstarter idea I put in the group chat? No, could not, we mention no. that? That can't be mentioned. Because that could be a benefit to you. I mean, because it's clockwork no, as well. No, we're not, not going right? to say it's what clockwork. it is. Filth. You, you Absolute wanted to do filth. Filth. Okay, so what I what I want to have on Kickstarter, and again, I want to do a disclaimer because it could be quite hard to actually do it, is uh, a, a a phone. Jesus Christ! <laughs> the, hang on, bear Jesus with me. Bear, bear with me. Bear with. Bear if with. This me, is the meeting. You'd be kicked out me. the door by now, mate. It's appalling. No, you're right. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry, sir. I, no, hang on. One more just, thing. One more thing. Again. Let me just take a drink of water. So. You know when uh, you answer the phone from someone, right? <laughs> you know when you answer Louise's the phone face. from someone. <laughs> you know you answer the phone. Yeah. And it, you don't know the number, right. right? But sometimes you don't answer it because you think, who the hell is this? You know, they don't leave messages. But it could be like someone ringing up to tell you won the lottery, or it could be somebody, I don't know, who you, you do know, yeah, but they just on, don't have a number or whatever. You know, in this day and age, also, people call from computers now, don't they? Because of all the they COVID do, yes, stuff. They call, call from, from computers. Your laptops, blah, blah, blah. So I've missed many important calls. But then... I don't want to have to answer the phone because there's that... You know when someone goes, hello, is that Mr. Murphy? And you go, yes, Mr. Mur- yeah, it's Mr. Murphy, yeah. Um, well, I just couldn't make, take, make a moment to speak to you about... Um, and it could be about the car MOT, which you want to hear about, your car needs MOT, or, whatever, or it could be he's trying to sell you something. So what my invention is this. Are you, are you with me now? You with me? Yes. When the phone rings, it has a live feed of that person, where they are, and you can see them. And you can just go, no, I don't like look at them. He's got a headset on. Or who's this guy? But that's not so going to tell you, you if they're it. MOT or trying to sell you something. Surely what you'd want is to... No, I know, but you could, I, I'm gonna, I call it visual call screen. But it'd be better that's just to hear visual what they're saying screening. to the, like, their colleague while the phone's ringing. No, because that's where you, then you're wasting their time. So I'm, I love judging people on first appearances. Right. So I, what I'd like to do is just go, no, I'm not answering that bloody what, phone. What about, Sorry. you know, like sometimes when you, when you phone up a call centre and, and they make you say on a, on a little message, what was the thing you're, you're calling about? Mm. And you have to say... I need to change yeah. accounts, and then they send that to the put the person. What about why can't they do that? That could be a good screen. It could it could be could be called like you know like some intercept missile thing that stops you from speaking to idiots. You know what I mean? So uh, they've got to say it. What do, what do you mean? So I'm cold calling you, right? And then your yeah, your yeah, yeah. your screen thing, your your thing in front of you yeah. says, um, please yeah. say uh, briefly what it is you'd like to speak to Brian about. And I might say, oh yeah, no, car insurance. Better. Do you want to come in on my Kickstarter? Yeah, that's it. And it comes yeah, back yeah. to you, and you go, I'm not yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to that. So that, boom. 
the number comes up and it's just like double glazing. You go, not interested. Yeah. And then, then they have to send them a, like a topless picture of themselves to you or something like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking for uh, ten million pounds, <laughs> and uh, at entry level, you um, you you get nothing really. You just get to sort of bask in my glory. Uh, these are great ideas. If you have a Kickstarter idea that we would we'd like to pass on directly to James Hewitt for his next project, then uh, drop us a little message on Instagram at Board Game Thing. Very quick look around the stock exchange, uh, uh, compiled with not only Board Game Geek's hotness but Zatu's top twenty games at the moment. Uh, Undaunted reinforcements is at the top of the hotness, made by the brilliant Osprey Games. A brilliant World War II card and tile playing game. Really good for taking on the move, that kind of thing. It's got an expansion and it looks superb. And then this is a weird one. Number three in the hotness on Board Game Geek. Good old Carcassonne. Or Carcassonne, as we've called it before. Carcassonne. Carcassonne. I've, do you know what? I've never played Carcassonne. Have you ever played Carcassonne, of you guys? Maybe we need to play it at some point. No, still haven't played it. We need to get, uh, get it on Let's put it on the list. list. Uh, well, this is it. That is it. another episode of uh, Board Game Thing in the can. Lovely to speak to you all. If you've got any questions about Kickstarter, all you've got to do is drop us a message at Board Game Thing uh, and find a load of the games that we've been talking about, particularly uh, Mythalix and other ones, uh, not only online, but uh, on Zatu's website right now. And we will see you next week. <laughs>